Welcome to Technology Simplified, tech talk everyone can understand. I am your host, Will Slappy, CEO of IT Voice. Today, I am joined by Tina Forst, who is one of our directors and who has a unique passion for cybersecurity. Tina loves serving her customers and helping them achieve their goals, but even more importantly, making sure their businesses are well protected from all the nasty cyber threats out there. Often when we talk about cybersecurity, we end up with a series of cautionary tales of what can go horribly wrong. Today, I want to talk about success stories. What can happen when all the right people and tools are in place to prevent a cyber attack? So, Tina, welcome to our podcast here today. Thank I you. want to start out by you telling us, in all your years of experience, I'm sure you've got a lot of stories, a lot of war stories. Absolutely. Um, so... What's one that you can share with us where there was maybe a potential breach um, that, you know, you and your team, uh, the customer, was able to prevent uh, from turning into one of those disasters that we all have unfortunately uh, heard too frequently on the news? Absolutely. Um, last September, we had an incident that happened on a Friday afternoon um, where we think now it was totally targeted towards this company and for specific employees, but there was 127 bad emails sent to our clients um, with bad links in them so that if the um, employee clicked on it, it would take them to a fake Microsoft page, use their cached credentials um, to get access to, into any of their SharePoint, OneDrive, any of that kind of stuff. Um, we had it a link clicked. And all of a sudden we get alerts and we're on top of it and we stop the attack while it's in progress. Um, so that was right there. That's a big success. <clears throat> Just knowing that we can get through that. Um, but what we found out was that because there were 127 emails sent, each of those links were unique to that user. And so it could go target individual users to get into access, access data that they had. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what did you, what did you and the team do? Um, you know, and I, and obviously, I mean, you know, the first, first step for everybody to kind of think about out there is, um, you know, your users being trained not to click on those links, not to put in username and passwords and that kind of thing. So, well, I know we'll probably talk about that a little bit later, but you know, uh, on the story. So, you know, y'all got the alerts and then, you know, how did y'all prevent that compromised user credentials from, you know, um, that turning into a disaster? Yeah, you know, we absolutely knew the user that clicked on the link. We called and made sure that, you know, it was him that did it, changed his credentials immediately. And then we used some of our technology also to go in and pull those 127 emails out of all the inboxes before anybody else could see them. Um, so thereby thwarting it. And then we were able to block emails after that from those particular sites. Um, right. It was very sophisticated. It took them to a Microsoft logo page, looked exactly like the Microsoft login page. And because people had already entered their um, multi-factor authentication, um, the hackers would get the key out of the crash credentials and they were able to just go right in. Um, so it's really difficult sometimes to tell what's a legitimate email, what's not an email. And they're really smart about putting, oh, this has to do with an ACH payment or you know, things that are specifically targeted to that user's job role because they can use LinkedIn to go and find out what job role that they have. Um, right, yeah. right. 
Yeah, all, all of and as as much as people love some of the social media out there, uh, people can find out who who the user is, what their role is, what they do, what kind of pizza that they like to eat for lunch, and uh, you know, be able to to have a uh, you know very sophisticated attack. So even though something may sound familiar, may look like you know the person, may the logo may look right, all those things, um, you gotta you gotta you gotta be extra um, you know extra careful. Um, yeah. So, 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 so on that point, like, you know, if you're an end user, let's kind of dive into that story. Yeah. Um, and, and I get an email, right. And, you know, at first glance, it looks right. Like what are the things that, you know, you teach, you know, um, users to look out for to, to try to avoid, you know, something that might be a phishing email compared to something that's legit. Yeah. Um, of course we teach them first off to look and see where it's sent from, because a lot of times it's just a, a mild misspelling of a name. Um, so, for instance, um, IT voice could be IT voices, and it's right. not legitimate. Um, in addition to that, the links, um, usually if you hover over them but do not click them, it'll tell you where it's really going. And if it says anything different than the link says, it's also not legitimate. Right, right. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a great point because yeah, you, you have – when it's a URL, you can have the display could look like Microsoft.com, but the underlying link now takes you to, you know, you know, BRXY94.com or whatever that then is now, um, but may have the Microsoft logo and all those things, you know, that's there and set out properly. And so, yeah, after you click on a link, double checking in that URL bar to make sure that, hey, you're at, you know, you're at the right place. Um, now I know that sometimes users, you know, you and I, we do this kind of stuff all the time. Um, so, you know, we kind of can pick up on those kind of things, but you know, sometimes your average user is not that great at maybe looking at some of that stuff. So are there any sort of email tool or other things out there that can kind of assist a user with maybe doing a little bit on some of that analysis, um, that, that you and I might know, you know, a little bit more, uh, easily ourselves. Yeah, we've got, um, I highly recommend cybersecurity training for just People that are using computers, they don't have to be in IT, but just the basics of what the landscape is out there, um, because it's really commonly known that the biggest gap in cybersecurity are the people that are using the technology, because we can we can be a little bit fooled here and there. Um, and so the more we know about how we're using the technology and the more we know to look for things that might be illegitimate, um, then the better off the whole company is. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The the human element is one layer to kind of the security. I know you always love to talk about layers, and it's one of the the many layers, right? Like, you know, don't 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 worry about trying to have some perfectly impenetrable. I mean, you want to have a perfectly impenetrable piece of armor, but if you have multiple layers, if it gets through one layer, then you've got some other fail safes uh, in place as well. So, so what are you know? You're always talking about layers. So, what are some of the different layers that that you always like to talk to your customers about having? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, I, I think of security kind of like bulletproof glass. So it's not just one pane of glass. It may be 10 panes of glass and they're all different strengths and um, they do different things and they will keep different things out. So that's kind of how we look at security. Um, you know, back in, you know, like even five years ago, we would have firewalls out there. So then there came all the security product to let the firewalls let in, um, data to the network that should be in there, um, but also keep out what doesn't need to be in there. 
Um, so that's one layer. Email um, security is a big deal right now because that's that's what everybody uses. Um, so we've got um, things to help prevent phishing and spam and all kinds of just bad emails that might come into our inboxes. I think spam is probably the most underrated protection that we have. Um, but it, you know, like if you've got a Yahoo box or something like that, you might see like 150 emails and you might have two that are legitimate. Um, so there are things in place like for office 365 and other, um, email systems that we use for business these days that will actually combat that so that we only get the legitimate ones. So it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love some of the, the email tools that, that we have now too, where it'll, I think my favorite one is like super smart where it'll be like. You know, we know who Tina Forrest is, but we've never seen her email from this email address. And so, you know, it's like it kind of, you know, because I see, oh, Tina Forrest is the same email. I know who Tina is, you know, and all, all of a sudden I'm about to click on that link or open that attachment or whatever. But then it puts, you know, that bar calls us out. Hey, we know you. We know that, you know, Tina Forrest. Um, because, you know, a lot of people have had that external email piece for a long time, which is super helpful of knowing, hey, this came externally, and so you don't get confused from somebody internally. But when you're emailing your accountant or, you know, attorney or somebody like that that's not in your organization, you just get, oh, yeah, of course it's supposed to say external email. So I really love that new feature that's like, hey, we know that person, and we know they're external. You know, you got that banner, but also, like, you don't normally email them with that name you know, from, you know, from whatever this address. And then you can kind of look at the address like you talked about. Did they have some sort of spelling change to, you know, the domain or something along those lines where, you know, they're trying to trick you. So um, I thought that was a, a pretty cool, uh, you know, feature out there. Uh, so this company that, you know, you're talking about that was, that was compromised or even other companies, you know, what's the, what's the normal size? I mean, uh, you know, I'm assuming from what I see on the news, these are like, you know, big multinational companies that we're talking about here, right? Yeah, this particular company had about 500 employees um, scattered across the southeastern region. Um, but, you know, we also we see the same things happen in smaller companies, too, and larger companies, for that matter. It doesn't matter. What, what's like the smallest company you've seen with some sort of, you know, breach or potential breach? Um, I think they have about 15 users. 15 users. Yeah. 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 Because there's, there's a little bit, you know, you know, I, I hear sometimes smaller companies, you know, that they don't see themselves, you know, um, as a target, you know, for, for a cyber attack. Uh, what, what would you say to a business owner like that? That's like, oh, you know, I'm only 10 employees, you know, um, I, nobody's going to come after me. I, you know, I don't have anything anybody wants. What would you tell? Yeah. Well, I think one of the more famous breaches that we've ever come across was the target breach. It was back in like 2013, 2014, somewhere around there, but it exposed 40 million credit card records, 40 million. Target lost 46% of their profits for going into the holiday season in Q4 and then also lost business the next following year um, for reputation damage and that kind of thing. Um, the hackers got in through a HVAC company, a local HVAC company that didn't have very many people using the technology, um, but they were able to get in through the HVAC company into Target and then get to the real money. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so it's not only... Yeah, it's the network of people that are connected uh, together and they want to get inside of its supply chain. And so they went, they get in in one way and all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're, you know, in all the pockets. Um, I did hear, you know, I heard one one person in cybersecurity world 
this was a couple of years ago, but I thought it was a really good response that said, um, you know, kind of answering the question of like, I don't have anything that anybody would want. Um, and his response was always, well, do you have anything that you would want? And if you do, if somebody steals it from you, encrypts it, ransomwares it, how much money would you pay to get it back? Right. You know, you're the, you're the only buyer, you know, uh, and now they become the seller to sell your own data back to you. So I thought that was another kind of good angle when somebody's like, yeah, I don't have anything of value um, yeah. that to somebody else. But if it, is, if it has value to you, then it then that has value to them. Yeah, I picked up a uh, statistic, I think just yesterday um, online, where in 2022, ransomware attacks loops down just a little bit. But already in 2023, um, we've almost surpassed the 2022 mark. They're having an uptick of ransomware. And it's, I think people have paid on the range of $500 million to get their data back. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, uh, of some of the NFL statistics, you know, the NFL, like the amount scored per per year kind of fluctuates up and down and the offenses get really good. And then the defenses catch up to the new schemes and, you know, the scores start coming back down. But then the offenses evolve and they start, I mean, it's the same thing, you know, in cybersecurity. Oh, we get all these new tools and help combat it. Um, and you got to have those in place. And then they come up with new things with so a constant war that's out there. Uh, we're constantly trying trying to get better. So last question before you know we we end here. Um, this particular company, obviously for confidentiality reasons, we don't want to know who they are. Um, but when they realized you know how bad the event could have been, what was their reaction to you know what happened? They were very much grateful for what we had done for them because who knows what they would have done with any kind of financial account information, bank access information, that kind of thing. So that w- they were just incredibly grateful. They now really take um, security seriously, like we all should at this point. Um, and we were able to make some recommendations to even further proof them from um, additional attack vectors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. It helped them. Well, uh, well thanks for joining us uh, here today, Tina. Appreciate your thoughts and expertise, uh, you know, for all of our listeners out there. Um, and uh, so that's it, guys, uh, here for today's episode of Technology Simplified. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed the stories we shared today. Uh, unfortunately, cyber attacks are a routine part of doing business these days. Uh, but, you know, when you have the right tools and the right team in place, it doesn't have to always be a disaster. Uh, so if you have any questions or topics that you would like for us to cover in future episodes, feel free to reach out to us on social media or through our website. We're always excited to hear from our listeners. Don't forget to subscribe to Technology Simplified wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Hope everyone has a great week.